Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? daddy where do we start? Where I don't do we know. start? Um, yeah, it's been a Dude. really insane news weekend. It's the times I regret on Monday that we're not Man. here on the weekends, but I do have to spend some time with my family. So yeah. um, the Kavanaugh situation, I want to get to that. Uh, more breaking news on uh, the the Mueller probe entirely falling apart now. Lisa Page coming out with some explosive new information in a John Solomon piece. Yeah. Um, and also some myth uh, that will debunk some myths on this uh, on the show today, too. I was, I'm hearing a lot of this stuff about... Um, you know, c- climate change, and this is the kind of stuff that I think we need to understand some of the some of the data here and understand what's going on. Yeah. But uh, I got to get to Kavanaugh first because, ladies and gentlemen, a dangerous precedent's being set, and this precedent's being set for future Republican nominees and future Republican administrations. And if it's allowed to stand, there will be no governing in the future. Um, you know, it's ironic how they continually debunk the fact that there is some kind of a deep state or whatever you want to call it, a steady state, a sloppy state, a stupid state. I don't care what you call it. Uh, and yet this strategy of embedding deep state folks and then when it comes to administration nominees, destroying them and digging back into their lives for things, uh, it's this is a double pronged strategy that is not going to work out well if the Republicans don't fight. Um, all right, let's get right to it. Today's show brought to you by our buddies at WaxRx. You all know how much I love my sponsors. I only work with companies I believe in, have a product or service that could be useful to you and me. I mean, I love WaxRx. Helps me uh, clean out those ears, which you have to do. And you shouldn't be using those cotton swabs in the ears. That's not what they're for. Listen, it's not the sexiest product to talk about, but as I told you, even I had to deal with earwax buildup because the earpiece I wore all day uh, in my prior line of work and now on the radio. This is a customer review I saw from WaxRx, and it can help you avoid expensive trips to the doctors for earwax buildup. I used to have to go to the doctor twice a year to get rid of my stubborn, hardened earwax. With my rising cost of healthcare and thus double deductible, I'd have to spend $60 per visit, $120 a year to treat my ears. Now I can do it myself with WaxRx and a significant savings that doesn't require me to miss a half a day of work. Thanks, WaxRx. Right now, try this product. It works. You'll be astonished at what comes out of your ears. <laughs> you, you can now try the WaxRx system by typing in GoWaxRx.com. That's GoWaxRx.com. Use offer code DAN at checkout for free shipping. That's GoWaxRx.com. You never know what you're missing. If you can't hear it, it might change your life. Got to send some of that WaxRx over to the Kavanaugh uh, confirmation because I'm sure they'd like their hearing back. Man, it's been, I, I don't oh! even, they, go WaxRx.com, offer code Dan. <laughs> Joe. <laughs> That's right. a long way for that one, brother. It's a stretch, but it's all right. We'll, we'll roll with it. So what are the rules? I have this down in my notes here. What are the rules? Now, if... Here's the update over the weekend. The woman who's and, and in case you're wondering, by the way, why Friday's show was a little shorter than others. Friday's show was about 53 minutes. I want to address this because it All is right. it 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 relates directly to the Kavanaugh topic, folks. Friday, Joe and I covered it. Some news broke afterwards, and I am I am not uh, you know. I do facts, okay? And the news that broke afterwards is that the charge was a little, the charge, the allegation was a little more serious than we had initially heard. I Mm -hmm. asked Joe, I said, if you can take that out, let's take it out, even though the show will be a little shorter, because I want to hear what what, what comes out. I'm I'm open to hearing anything. Listen, if it turned out that the guy was some kind of a a, a sexual deviant, I want to know about it like anyone else. Now that we've had a chance to get the name, to hear the charges, and to hear all available information, ladies and gentlemen, I've become more convinced that this case, that Kavanaugh needs to go forward, needs to be confirmed. Let me tell you why. Number one, this tactic here by the Democrats is very disturbing. It's setting an impossible standard for anyone involved in the conservative movement, appointees, politicians, anyone else, while while holding almost no standards whatsoever for their side. What do I mean? Let's say this incident, let's stipulate for a second that these allegations are true. The guy was 17 years old. No one reported it to police at the time. There's no allegation of a crime. The woman um, apparently never confronted him about it. From that point on, he had been through multiple investigations, multiple times. And ladies and gentlemen, people do a lot of dumb stuff when they're in their teens. That's assuming, assuming the charge is true, which by the way, Kavanaugh who's entitled to his say as well, this is still a country where you're innocent until proven guilty, categorically denies this allegation, as does the person who's alleged to have been there and seen it. 
which I find odd. According to the allegation, there were three people present when Kavanaugh supposedly um, tried to take off an article of this woman's clothing, right? Um, supposedly there were three people present. The other person there says it didn't happen. Kavanaugh mm-hmm. says it didn't happen. The woman says uh, it happened, but never followed up, never did anything about it. The guy was 17. He's 53 right now. Ladies and gentlemen, Keith Ellison, who is the deputy chair of the DNC, has credible allegations against him not very long ago about physical and emotional abuse by his girlfriend. And yet, Keith Ellison, there's no widespread call by the Democrats to have this guy step down. He's the deputy chair of the DNC. I forgot about that. Now, again, some of you may say, what about ism? What is what about ism? Yes, it is. Yeah. What are the rules? Ladies and gentlemen, if we're going to continue as a constitutional republic, we have to have a set of rules for public life that both sides recognize and abide by. What are the rules? Are the rules that allegations are enough to sideline your career and you have to step aside? Ladies and gentlemen, if that's the case, right, that an allegation is enough, let me ask you a very simple question. What's to stop anybody from any party if allegations, not proof, if allegations are enough to sideline a Supreme Court? justice and a politician right if allegations are enough what is to stop your political opponent from shutting down your career by simply getting someone to make an allegation that may or not be true may or may not be true what's what's to stop that have we thought any of this through now you may say well dan what what do you mean this is a new strategy folks where have we seen this recently Put your thinking caps on for a minute. Where have we seen this strategy where unfounded allegations from the past that are that are unproven? They are not. I should say unproven. They're unproven allegations from the past resurface. Where have we seen this recently? Does the Jim Jordan case ring a bell? Oh, so you have Jim Jordan running to be speaker now. Yeah, a supremely qualified Morally upstanding individual with an impeccable conservative record in Congress. A a good and decent man. A guy I personally interviewed with when I was running for office and was, was I, I mean this in a good way, was shocked at his adherence to principles because I'd interviewed with so many politicians in the past and it, they seemed almost mercenary. He was asking me questions about the pro-life movement. I was pleasantly surprised. I'm like, wow, a politician that's actually pro-life. Like it was stunning. Mm-hmm. Where have we seen this before? Jim Jordan. Folks, this is the new Democrat tactic. The new Democrat tactic is going to be to find someone from your past to make allegations that are nearly impossible, impossible for the target of those allegations to put down and disprove. It's impossible. Jim Jordan has multiple people saying that's not the Jim Jordan we know. This doesn't make any sense, right? Jim Jordan, it was uh, it was alleged he knew about some um, some uh, some some abuse that was going on when he was a wrestling coach right. this, uh, at the, at this college. Right. Multiple people come out and say that's not true. He did not know about this, and if he did, he would have done something. Multiple people. So Jordan has just as much strong evidence on his side that he was in no way did he know about this, and yet that's totally disregarded because the media is on the Democrat side. Now, you're going to see this strong media push, and I'm getting wind about what's going on right now. I'll give you kind of some inside baseball about what's going on up on the hill. But the media, of course, that's on the side of the Democrat Party jumps on board, Joe. And what do they do right away? They continue to advance these allegations as if they're automatically assumed to be true. While Democrats like Keith Ellison with with similar, I would argue, worse allegations. Remember, Joe, these allegations are when Kavanaugh was a kid. Right, yeah. That... Ellison, though, these allegations are serious. Physical and emotional abuse by his ex. Physical abuse. These are serious allegations. Yet nobody in the Democrat Party of the media is calling for a mass resignation or or is this being covered nearly to the extent this guy's the deputy chair of the DNC that these Kavanaugh charges are. Now, on the inside baseball note, Mm -hmm. this is why... Uh, folks, we should not cave on this, okay? 
if we cave on this, it is going to set an impossible standard in the future. They meet the left figures out these tactics. They learn from them. They will use them repeatedly. It will be to dredge up an allegation from the past that can't possibly be disproven, which is can't. It's a he said, she said. Folks, there's no way around it. And the other guy there says it didn't happen. There's no, that's it. There's no, well, she took a polygraph. Ladies and gentlemen, listen, a polygraph. For those of you arguing about the polygraph, let me just tell you something quick about the polygraph. Um, I was not a trained polygrapher, um, but I know many people who are. I'm familiar with the program. I know how it works. A polygraph test is not a lie detector test. That's why professionals call it a polygraph test and not a lie detector. Why? It does not detect lies. It detects physiological signs of of possible and potential deception. Blood pressure changes, uh, you know, changes in your heart rate, uh, change, actually changes in your heart rate, changes in your breathing rate by measuring pressure around your diaphragm. Um, that's what it does. A trained polygrapher is a more of a skilled interviewer, and he's relying more on his interview skills than he is the tools. The tools just measure physiological changes to what could be potential deception. Polygraphs are not admissible in court because they don't detect lies. They detect the skill of the interview. If you don't know that, I'm sorry. But people saying, oh, she took a polygraph, I'm sorry, folks, means less than nothing to me. And people saying, well, well, Kavanaugh should take a polygraph. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a total setup. I, I told you, this is nothing more than an interview with basic physiological tools that can, that can be uh, mislead interviewers for all kinds of reasons. People are nervous. People are not nervous. People take uh, beta blockers or whatever it may be. Folks, these tests are wrong all the time. I'm sorry. They're nothing more than tools. I can't tell you how many times applicants for the Secret Service take a polygraph that's, quote, inconclusive. They come back a few weeks later and they pass with flying colors. Well, I thought it was a lie detector. How did they not know if he was lying? Because it's not a lie detector. It's a, it's a, did you know this, Joe? Mm-hmm. All it detects is, I mean, I'm not going to, I don't want to go into any classified stuff, but no. just so you understand, ladies and gentlemen, and have an idea of what a polygraph does, they get a basic physiological measure of what a lie would look like. Well, how do I get Joe to lie? I ask him a question, and I, I know he's going to lie to it. In other words, I'm giving you a test, Joe, for a, um, a bank job, and I need you to take a polygraph. I say to right. Joe something like, hey, Joe, when you were in uh, high school, did you ever cheat on a test? Now, I have a pretty good inkling. This is why it's not a lie detector, Joe, and it's based mm-hmm. on the skill of the interview. I don't know, but I have a pretty good inkling. The answer for most people, I don't know what you, I shouldn't put you on but the answer probably, yes, you probably did. At some point, my, you probably my cheated. My answer was blue. But, right, right, right. Like, you know what, right. Or, 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 or if I ask you, did you ever lie to your parents? The answer is oh. obviously yes, but most people on a lie detector test yeah. think the answer should be no or they're going to fail. You get <laughs> right. what I'm saying? Like, did yeah. you cheat on a test? No, no, no. no. That, the truth is the guy in a polygraph doesn't really care if you cheated on a test. He's trying to get your measure of what a lie looks like in your physiological response. And then they, later on, they make comparisons. How they do it, I'm not going to get into. But that's how it works. But it's all open to interpretation. I bring that up because that's going to be their next push. Now, the inside baseball, though, is this. Uh, Who's there again, Joe, to rescue the Democrats? Because he's a horror show. And I cannot um, uh, thank him more for stepping aside because he is possibly one of the worst Republican senators I've ever seen um, in the history of the movement. Um, Jeff Flake, who is now stepping out. And what I'm hearing is Flake is a allegedly Republican, so he should take a lie detector uh, from Arizona. <laughs> he is stepping aside, thankfully, because he's um, he's awful. He's not running for re-election. And Flake is saying now, I think we need to delay this Kavanaugh vote. No, we don't, ladies and gentlemen, because there's nothing that's going... Joe, do you understand there is nothing that's going to add to this? It right. is a he said, she said. By all means, let this woman be heard. Let her air her charges. I have no issue with that. Yeah. Kavanaugh has already stated on his side it didn't happen. Kavanaugh has a letter from something like 65 women he went to school with at that time and said this is in no way indicative of his behavior. There have been no known character defects after that, Joe. There's no history of this. There's no history with anyone he knows. Ladies and gentlemen, when you balance the body of evidence pro-Kavanaugh for the anti-Kavanaugh, for me, the pro-Kavanaugh wins hands down. Show me what you got. And you don't got much. All you've got are charges that can't possibly be proven. Be heard. Fine. But delaying the hearing? Absolutely not. The vote is scheduled for Thursday. The vote should go right ahead. The Democrats, Feinstein, have had this information from July. Now, 
forgive me, I keep dancing around, but the inside baseball is that Flake who hates Trump um, and frankly at this point seems to hate the Republican Party too and may be preparing for a 2020 run for president. Don't keep, uh, don't let that go. Oh, Flake is acting as a front man for this to basically cater to Democrat votes and what, it, you know, what they believe are anti-Trump Republicans to set himself up a little bit and that Flake may also be the one who comes out because if they lose Flake, they're in a lot of trouble. If they lose a Flake and one Democrat, it's over, right? Yeah. Uh, excuse me. They lose uh, Flake and one more Republican. It's over. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. because of uh, the, uh, Mike Pence. So they they be in a lot of trouble. Right. So what's happening here is supposedly Collins and Murkowski uh, are, are, are interested in possibly slowing this vote down, too. But they don't want to come out yet and say it. So what they're coming out with is like, hey, Jeff, you do it. And then if we can get a couple more, you know, the, the Democrats to fold on this thing, maybe the, uh, the the red state Democrats, then maybe I'll come out and run a little more cover and then they'll vote no, too. So there's a little constituency behind the scenes of of of, you know, basically anti-Trump Republicans in the Murkowski Collins Flake coalition that really probably want to see this thing sidelined a little bit so they can kind of cozy up to their moderate Democrat base. That's what I'm hearing. But folks, if we let this happen, it will set an impossible standard, folks. The standard going forward will be any unproven allegation from any point in your past. I mean, we'll be down to boyhood next. He was a teenager, Kavanaugh. We'll be down to like, hey, at six years old, you know, this guy, uh, he, he kicked his neighbor's kid off a of Hot Wheels. Oh, my gosh, we need to sign like this. It will set an impossible standard for Republicans while allowing Democrats a complete pass because the media will, they're just part of the Democrat Party. The media are nothing. Please stop telling me about the media. I don't want to hear it. The media is not a serious entity anymore. The mainstream media is a joke. They are propagandists for the Democrat Party, nothing more. I love a free press. They're free to be stupid. They take us up on it all the time. I'm not suggesting any government intervention in the press, but I'm telling you, completely disregard these loons. They are 100% on the side of sidelining this. They understand fully there is absolutely no way these allegations will be proven. None. It'll be a he said, she said, with no evidence in the future that there was any kind of a character defect at all in Kavanaugh. None. There is no corroborating evidence to this at all. None. Zero. None. Even liberal women that worked for Kavanaugh saying he was a great guy. So now I just want to be clear because I want to wrap this up. I got to move on to something else because it shows that this is not going to stop here, folks. They're setting this standard for the Republicans. The standard will be any any unfounded, unproven allegation, any point in the past is enough to get these people sidelined. If it works once, they will do it again. Uh, Point number two, the Democrats are not subjected to this as evidenced, obviously, by Keith Ellison still sitting in his chair, despite very serious allegations now that Democrats will get a free pass. The Republicans won't. Now, having said that, Axios has a report out now. Uh, They have some good sources. Axios has a report out now, Joe, that insider Republicans are saying, and this is a warning to the Democrats. And again, I'm not suggesting Kavanaugh should be sidelined. I just told you we need to go forward or the standard will set in and it'll be over. If this if he's sidelined and Jeff Flake gets his way here and Flake sidelines this thing and it winds up resulting in Kavanaugh withdrawing, then Trump needs to double down stat and nominate someone even more conservative than Kavanaugh. Because we got to start teaching these uh, Democrats a lesson up there, too, folks. They keep getting over and the Republicans keep allowing it to happen. A- a- Amy Barrett sitting on the sidelines right now. Um, we should not give up on Kavanaugh at all. I want to be crystal clear. But if the votes don't present themselves because people start to bail like Flake. I mean, ever was there ever in a lifetime a last name more apropos to the character of a senator? <laughs> By the way, Flake. Flake. If Flake flakes, then we send up someone more conservative. But I'll tell you, it'd be a real shame if that happened to Kavanaugh. A, a good, he wasn't my first choice. Honestly, he wasn't my second choice. But I think it's clear as day this was a good man. And what's happening to him is disgusting. Now, one more story. And I, I'd like to kind of pull these stories out of the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the conservative content ecosystem because they're important. And it relates to this strategy the Democrats now have of nonstop 24-7, 365 obstruction and destruction. Obstruction of the Trump agenda, destruction of anybody they put forward, right? This is what they're going to continue to do. They had an NLRB rule. This is important. This is not a small story. 
The National Labor Relations Board under Obama passed this rule called the Joint Employer Standard. It's basically a way to sideline uh, franchises and make sure that these franchises have to unionize all their employees in one fell swoop. It's a way of private unionization, which has been going down forever in the free market. Public unions have stayed relatively stable while private unionization and the free market's gone down, Joe. The Obama administration, of course, in the pocket of labor unions, wanted to reinstitute a robust private union membership in the United States, despite the fact that American employees are renouncing unions. They just Mm -hmm. don't want to be part of them. You're seeing right to work grow, even though it, uh, Missouri was a bit of a setback. But what happened is Obama instituted this rule, the Obama National Labor Relations Board, called the, called the uh, joint, uh, joint Employer Standard. And what it meant was, whereas, say, each individual McDonald's franchise in the, in the past, Joe, was an individual identity, yeah. the Joint Employer Rule would mean if, they direct, if there was even indirect control by some big umbrella company, all of them right. could be unionized at once. And think about it. If you're trying right. to unionize... Whatever, 50,000 uh, McDonald's employees, what's better way to do it? Do you want to go to each individual McDonald's restaurant? No, hell no. What do you want to do? You want to do it all in one fell swoop and force yeah. it on McDonald's, the parent company, and get them all unionized at once. You see the point, folks? It's oh, simple. Yeah. Why go to each restaurant if you can hammer the big company and make it all filter down, right? Now, the Trump administration uh, reversed this. Now, in a Highland decision, that's all been put on hold because what did the Democrats do again? obstruction and destruction they want after one of trump's appointees on the nlrb this guy bill emmanuel because he worked for a law firm that that was involved in the case years ago and they demanded a recusal which sadly the republicans acquiesced on he recused himself from the case and now this thing is on hold amazingly now does that standard apply to the democrats hell no of course it doesn't Obama's appointee, Craig Becker, was an actual labor lawyer who represented the SEIU, Service Employees International Union, who was involved in multiple cases. He never recused himself. Folks, obstruction and destruction. This is what they're all about now, folks. They're going to obstruct the agenda. They're going to weaponize recusals now. They st- and, and by the way, they filed an ethics complaint against this guy, Emmanuel, to get him to recuse himself, even though the lawyer for the NLRB said he didn't have to. These are not small stories, folks. If you get through, they will file ethics complaints. They will attack you. The gist of this whole uh, segment I'm doing on the show here today. And I waited for the information to come in. I even had a sideline. Joe and I stewed on this. Because I don't like producing less than an hour of good content for you. We use very, very little commercials. Our commercials average six minutes a show. That's one-tenth of the whole show is commercial. I want to give you a solid 50-plus minutes of conservative content. I deleted eight minutes because I did not have the facts. And when I don't, I will not put it on my show. We have the facts now. We know what happened with Kavanaugh. We have one side story. We have another side story. We have one side story on the Kavanaugh story backed up by years and years of character testimonials of a person who was there who said it didn't happen. We have another side story who says, I've taken a polygraph. I have a lawyer. The answer is what? The answer is, folks, there will be no answer. This is not about getting to an answer for the Democrats. Make no mistake. It is about setting an impossible standard for past character conduct no human being on the planet will measure up to as a way to sideline any potential GOP nominee for anything in the past. It doesn't matter who they throw up there for that Supreme Court seat. These character assassination attempts will never stop. And when they appoint you, like they did a manual on the NLRB, in order to stop the Trump agenda, they'll file an ethics complaint when they're there and shut you down. Joe, where did that happen before? So... On Kavanaugh, I gave you an example. Uh, Kavanaugh, I said, hey, where did this happen? These accusers, Jim Jordan. It's just, this is what they did. They're trying to do to Jordan. It's not going to work. Where did this happen before with an ethics complaint? Who up in Congress was working pretty hard on this Spygate operation, uncovering all this stuff? All of a sudden, an ethics complaint appears out of nowhere. Oh, Devin Nunes. Yeah, that happened to him too. Remember that one? Yeah, the ethics complaint yeah, yeah, against yeah. Nunes? Folks. This is not new. This is a pattern. When you see a pattern, this is why I do this show, to flesh out for you that these are not random incidents. This uh, this attack on Kavanaugh was thought out. How they were going to do it was thought out. Oh, Dan, you have no evidence. That's sure I do. These ev- this, uh, this material surfaced in July. It's September. Dianne Feinstein had this in July. Why did they wait till the last minute? I thought it was serious. Apparently, it wasn't serious enough for Diane Feinstein to tell anybody. Boom. Oh, the victim wanted anonymity. She did? 
because she's out there doing interviews now. Should she be heard? Let her be heard, of course. Kavanaugh deserves to be heard, too. And I believe the overwhelming weight of Kavanaugh's evidence suggests that, listen, if it happened, he made a big mistake. But the overwhelming evidence about the character of this guy is almost exclusively on a pro-Kavanaugh front. Folks, if this guy goes down, we are going to be in big, big trouble. This will set an absolutely impossible standard in the future going forward for any Trump nominee. Oh, man, I can't believe it. I'm telling you, I feel like we're living in uh, in, in, in in that Seinfeld episode. You know, we're, again, where George does everything backwards. I, it's it's whole, kind of freaking me out, man. I mean, this, this whole thing is, yeah. Because we can't have a functioning government like That's this I mean. anymore, folks. We, we can't. We're the Democrats. You got a deputy party chair accused of physically abusing his government. And listen, I, I, unlike the Democrats, the guy deserves his day in court, too. Yeah. I don't like Keith Ellison. I, I like almost nothing this guy stands for. But he deserves his day in court, too. If he's guilty, he's guilty. He needs to go. But the Democrats, you know, no, no, listen, this we should all assume this is true. And But meanwhile, there's no evidence in this guy's history of character that this is the way at Kavanaugh. It, none. Mm. All right. We got a lot of new, more, a uh, lot more breaking news, by the way. Spygate stuff went absolutely crazy this weekend. John Solomon, who I, what did I, what do I keep telling you about Solomon? What do I keep telling you about? Solomon and the Hill, no, the, who writes for the Hill. And I have all these stories in the show notes. Please check them out. He knows everything. I'm telling you, he knows everything. He knows the whole thing. He's seeping it out slowly but surely. If you're not reading his stuff, you're missing out. Okay, um, today's show also brought to you by our buddies at iTarget. iTarget is the best system out there, uh, hands down, for increasing your proficiency with a firearm. If you're going to have a firearm, you need to be safe with it, obviously, but you need to be proficient. God forbid you're involved in a self-defense scenario. You want to be able to engage and obviously neutralize the target if, God forbid, you're in that scenario where you have to defend yourself or your family. The iTarget Pro system is the best way to do that. When I was a member of law enforcement, one of the ways we used to increase our proficiency with a firearm was through dry fire drills. Where you, where you pull the trigger on a safely unloaded weapon, where you check it, you check it twice, you check it three times, make sure it's unloaded. Go to the range, you point the firearm in a safe direction, and you safely depress the trigger on an unloaded weapon. Well, what's the point of that? The point of that is you don't have to worry about the recoil. So you can work on your grip, you can work on your sight alignment, you can work on your sight picture, you can work on a constant, continuous pressure on that trigger, and you would be astonished how dry firing, how quickly it'll improve your proficiency with a firearm. Once in a while, we would put a dime or a penny on the end of the firearm we had, and you say, well, why would you do that in a dry fire episode? Because it teaches you to keep that firearm steady and not to anticipate the recoil. If the dime falls off, you're doing it wrong. It's a great trick. Now, combine that with the iTarget system, which is a laser round they will send you. You insert it into your safely unloaded weapon, this laser round. It'll emit a laser onto a target. Now you can see in a dry fire episode where the round would have gone. That's the one weakness of dry fire. Uh, You have no idea where it would have gone. Because it's dry. There's nothing in it. But this laser round they will send you, they'll send it to you with the target. It works in conjunction with a phone app, and it makes your firearm like a, uh, a video game for proficiency. You won't be able to put it down. It is a wonderful system. It's the best system out there. Go to itargetpro.com. That's the letter itargetpro.com. Letter I, targetpro.com. Use promo code DAN for 10% off. Remember, competitive shooters try fire 10 times more than they live fire. You will not regret picking up this system. It'll really improve your proficiency quickly. Itargetpro.com, promo code DAN. Okay, um, stunning new news this weekend that came out on the uh, on the Spygate operation. Uh, John Solomon, let's cover that first, has a breaking news story about Lisa Page's testimony in May 2017 up on the Hill. Lisa Page was the FBI lawyer involved with both the Clinton case and the Trump investigation and was also involved in a extramarital relationship with Peter Stroke, who was the lead FBI investigator in this case. Most of you already know that. Some don't. It's just important to set that up. During her testimony, she says something absolutely stunning that just leaked out. And when I say stunning, I mean it. I mean, like jaw drops to the floor and how, again, this isn't. Uh, breaking news across the country is only a reflection of the fact that the Democrat media is a complete joke and is all in on the propaganda front. Joe, have you heard this? Yeah, I've, I've heard it. Yeah. You go, what's, what's, okay, so Solomon reports this. Mm-hmm. Um, when she was questioned, Lisa Page, about why... Uh, excuse me, I said May 2017. This is her recent testimony. It was about the May 2017 uh 
Bob, when Bob Mueller was being named as a special prosecutor, there's a text exchange uh, between her and Stroke about, you know, when there's no there, there kind of stuff. And they said to her, they said, listen, you were the FBI lawyer intimately involved in this case. They asked her about the Mueller probe. She said, quote, the uncertainty about the level of evidence in the Trump case was, quote, a reflection of us still not knowing. Now, Solomon says this right. Folks, that the, please don't let the, the, the monotonous tone of that. Me just this is huge. And Solomon gets it. It goes on. There's another quote in a minute. Solomon says, with that statement, Page acknowledged a momentous fact. After nine months, Joe, of using some of the most awesome surveillance powers afforded to U.S. intelligence, the FBI still had not made a case connecting Trump or his campaign to Russia's election meddling. Here, it gets even better. Well, by the way, what have we been telling you the whole time? That this case is complete junk? Page opined further, Joe, acknowledging. This is, this is incredible. Listen to this quote. This is Lisa Page's own underwrote testimony up on the Hill. It still existed in the scope of possibility that there would be, quote, literally nothing to connect Trump and Russia, no matter what Mueller or the FBI did. Oh. That there would be, it ends at literally nothing. The possibility there would be literally nothing. Oh. Folks, we have a special, you believe this, Joe? We have Dude. a special counsel appointed now to investigate a sitting president and his team for a collusion event with Russia that she says it's a reflection of us still not know. What do you mean not knowing? We have a special counsel and you have no idea if this even happened. Also, she says that there's a good possibility this was literally nothing. So let's just recap where we are in this case to see how disgusting the abuses have been here on this trump administration here's what we now know we know the case was started based on the dossier jim comey the fbi director has claimed and it's public that the dossier was salacious and unverified the dot the anti-trump dossier we now know the number two in the fbi andy mccabe acknowledged to uh, congressional investigators and Senate investigators. Andy McCabe has acknowledged that there would be no probable cause in the case without the dossier. So just so we're clear, the, 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 the nearly the entire body of evidence to support this collusion fairy tale was based on this fake dossier. Comey says it's salacious and unverified. McCabe says we'd have no case without it. The guy under McCabe, Bill Prystep, when asked about it, when they started the Trump investigation, said, well, its verification was, quote, in its infancy. They had not even begun to verify this thing at a serious level, despite the fact that the Woods procedures for verification require that before it goes to the FISA court. We now have Peter Stroke, the lead investigator who works under price step. We have the lead investigator, Joe, in Peter Stroke saying, hey, there's no there there in the case. That's what Paige was asked about in her testimony. Hey, did you guys say there's no there there in the case? And now we have the FBI lawyer working with Stroke on the case, Joe, saying, quote, it could be literally nothing, and it's a reflection of us still not knowing. You think you may want to know before you start the most uh, important, critical counterintelligence investigation on a sitting president and a special counsel probe in modern U.S. history? You think you may want to figure that out first? Ladies and gentlemen, this Mueller probe is a complete, utter farce, as I have told you from the beginning. And, you know, I have to tell you, I'm getting, I, I'm not one of these guys. Joe, you know this industry better than anyone. You've been yeah, in it for yeah. decades now. Um, content theft is a pretty common thing, right? Now, yeah. I attribute my stuff. You know that. I've attributed to Jeff Carlson, Lee Smith, the conservative treehouse guys. When I get something from a source that's not mine, I attribute it, and I'm proud to. Uh, mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with people out there doing hard work and you citing it. What really bothers bothers me is when people take my stuff and never acknowledge it at all. I'm not going to uh, yeah. say who, but you know what I'm talking about. Yes, I do. People, you're right, right? Because we <laughs> yeah. listen. There's finally people starting to come around to the fact that the Mueller probe's sole purpose right now is not to investigate collusion. It's to keep the attention on Trump team members. Indictments. Whatever, what, by, by the way, indictments that have nothing to do with collusion at all. To keep the attention away from the fact that there is no there there. Do you, you see what I'm getting at? Mueller knows there's no collusion. 
Inside sources are reporting all over the place that Mueller's already given up on collusion. Matter of fact, they're likely giving up on obstruction, too. That their sole goal now is to keep the political heat through the election on Donald Trump, knowing collusion's fake. They're going to issue some report later that will be used for impeachment, which it shouldn't be. These should be about legal charges only, as Andy McCarthy indicates. And that's the now the new purpose. So purpose number one was collusion. Mueller quickly figured out that was garbage, right? Second, it was obstruction. That's going nowhere either. Donald mm. Trump asked uh, the FBI to investigate people if there was any allegations of Russian collusion on his team. That's already on the record. So right. that's dead in the water. The sole purpose of the Mueller probe now Keep the heat on Trump. Issue a report. Ladies and gentlemen, this report is going to be critical. It is not going to be a legal law enforcement report, which is what it should be, Joe. It is going to be a report documenting charges that the Democrats can use for impeachment later on. That's Mueller's goal now. Right. Take it to the bank, folks. Cash that check. Spend that money. I'm telling you what I'm telling you is true. The Democrats are eagerly awaiting after this election when they take over the House of Representatives. That's why Mueller's waiting. They're waiting for a new report on Democrat uh, that they can use to bring up as evidence in an impeachment trial uh, in the Senate against Donald Trump. I'm telling you, take it to the bank. I got that Nunez cut. Did you oh, forget about yeah, I'm that? To that. Yeah. I haven't even got to that yet because I, I have it right. That's next because I have one more thing. Okay. Also. Let's see what happens with Greg Craig. Now, if you're a regular listener to this show, you, oh, you yeah. even you remember. I know a lot of other oh, yeah, listeners yeah. may not. Uh, I addressed this in a show about four or five months ago. I had some you know good sources on this one too. Uh, Manafort, remember his campaign manager was is uh, is now going to apparently uh, cooperate with the Mueller probe. The liberals are celebrating, ladies and gentlemen. Don't celebrate so fast on this one. Um, if you actually listen to what Manafort's lawyer said, he was clear as day that all of the stuff that they're playing to happened before he joined the Trump team. Again, in some circles of common sense, you would call that a clue. <laughs> now, Manafort's agreeing to cooperate. Who was Manafort working with on the charges that he's involved with now? The charges he's being charged with are for... Um, Foreign Agent Registration Act, failures to... Basically, he was lobbying on behalf of Ukrainian officials and was not properly filed, right? Right, right. Manafort. Who was working with him on that deal? Hmm. Oh, Greg Craig. Greg oh. Craig. Where does that name sound familiar? That was Obama's old lawyer, wasn't it? <laughs> Crazy how that happens. Now, now, folks, this is going to be the test for Mueller. If I'm proven wrong, then good, good. Please prove for the sake of the republic, prove me wrong. Bob Mueller, if Manafort's really cooperating, then Tony Podesta and Greg Craig have a whole lot to worry about. Because Greg Craig, Obama's former lawyer, was working at that law firm, Skadden Arps, that was working with Manafort on this lobbying effort for Ukrainian officials. They were putting together reports. Greg Craig has since left that law firm. What I'm telling you is Manafort is probably providing information. Here's where I'm going with this. That is very, very bad for both Tony Podesta and Greg Craig. Greg Craig was Obama's former lawyer working at that company and lobbying was being done by Manafort. Remember, the same thing he's being accused of. Um, unauthorized, illicit lobbying, the same kind of operation the allegations are were being conducted by Tony Podesta as well. Tony Podesta, John Podesta, Hillary's uh, conciliary there, uh, that's his brother. If there are no charges against Podesta and Greg Craig, none or no further investigation at all by the Mueller team, you can take it to the bank that what I told you was absolutely categorically true, that Mueller has zero interest whatsoever in doing in uh, in uh, in moving forward with anything on the Democrat side. He's only trying to keep the heat on Trump. I'm saying it because we know now Manafort's willing to cooperate. And if you're going to charge Manafort with FARA violations, Foreign, Agents, uh, Foreign Agent Registration Act violations, then you darn well better investigate the other two as well. Let's see where he goes with that. And let's see what they get charged with. Remember, Manafort had, what, 18 charges in the first trial? Uh, Another couple more in Washington, D.C., this trial he just avoided by pleading? Mm -hmm. Let's see what these other two were charged with in that investigation. If they get off, folks, you know what I'm telling you is true. Mueller's Mueller's goal is at this point appears entirely unethical. 
Keep the heat on Trump and Trump's team. Avoid any perception of malfeasance by the Democrats, the Democrat DOJ under the Obama administration and the FBI. Disgusting. Just filthy, disgusting stuff. Okay. Uh, I was glad you told me about Nunez. I was going to use me when I get lost in a topic. Um, yeah, I got you. We have more breaking news here over the weekend. Uh, Chuck Ross at the Daily Caller. Again, a guy doing really great work. I have his piece up at the show notes today at Bongino.com. Please read it. Please read the John Solomon piece. This is a momentous break. The Lisa Page acknowledgement that they may have had literally nothing to start the Mueller probe. Another uh, break in the case comes from Peter Stroke. We now have a new text. Let me read the text rather than uh, summarizing. I'll just read it direct. January 10th, 2017 series of texts. I'm sitting with Bill watching CNN. We're assuming he's talking about Bill Prystep, the guy I just told you about, his boss. Sitting with Bill watching CNN. A ton more out. Stroke, a former FBI counterintelligence official, texted to Lisa Page on January 10th, 2017. Listen to this kicker. I'm going to tell you why this January 10th, 2017 thing is important. Hey, let me know when you can talk. We're discussing whether, now that this is out, what is this, by the way? We will use it as a pretext to go interview some people. Do you you understand the the, the swamp of corruption we're looking at here? What happened in January of 2017, folks? They're going to use it as a pretext to go interview people. Joe, if you're a criminal investigator, not a trick question, right? Say you put yourself in the FBI shoes. (laughs) If you're going to go interview someone for uh, a potential crime you think they have committed, Mm-hmm. What would lead you to go and interview someone? Um, you, well, let me just make it simpler for you. Do you pick out the phone book and randomly interview people? Uh, no. No, you don't do that. Okay. The, I'm, 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 I'm being intentionally dumb here because, uh, again, liberals are still trying to play down. Now they're like, I'm not sure what the word is. They're doing the Clinton thing. Uh, tell me what the word is means. They're, they're <laughs> trying to redefine what pretext is. A pretext is a reason. Yes. What's the reason, Joe, you would go interview someone if you were an FBI agent? As we think they might have committed a crime. You have what? Evidence? Evidence! Uh, Thank you! Thank you! Thank you, Joe. The pretext for an interview is actual evidence, which Lisa Page and nearly everyone else I just told you about the case, salacious and unverified Comey, McCabe, we wouldn't have had anything without the dossier. The evidence was fake. It was the dossier. Apparently, someone knew this dossier was garbage, and they needed to use it, though, as a pretext to give it the air of credibility. So what happens in January of 2017, being that they They have no verified evidence, Joe. January of 2017, the dossier leaks. The dossier leaks. uh, BuzzFeed gets a hold of it in January of 2017 and prints the dossier. Yes! Yes, we have reached the crescendo of stupidity at this point. The FBI has the dossier. The FBI cannot verify the dossier. How do we know that? Jim Comey said it himself. It's salacious and unverified. I'm using his words, not mine. Page Uh. is now on the record saying, hey, this could have been literally nothing. And basically acknowledging they did not have a hard case. Hey, it was still a reflection of us not knowing. Lisa Page's words, not mine. So they don't have hard evidence to interview anyone on the Trump team. So what happens, Joe? Jim Clapper... According to multiple reports, the former Obama director of national intelligence, who is knee deep in this scandal, suggested Jim Comey, the FBI director, in the same time frame in January, that he go and discuss the dossier with Trump. But he doesn't. This is important. He doesn't tell Trump about the criminal allegations in the dossier. He tells him about the sexual stuff. Why? Andy McCarthy has a brilliant piece on this. It's from a while back. McCarthy's suggestion here is that he goes in there and brings up the sexual stuff and doesn't tell him about the criminal allegations. Comey doesn't tell Trump. Why, Joe? He doesn't want Trump to know they're interviewing him. Why? Because Comey suspects this whole thing is crap and they don't want to be shut down. Genius move. Genius. 
I don't want to. Joe, if, if I thought this criminal charge was serious, yeah. you may, you better let that sitting president know. But now think- Comey knows they're knee deep in this. He knows the charges are probably bunk. He needs more time to try to find something on him or a special counsel or something. Remember, it was Comey who leaked the memo to get the special counsel appointed. He's got to buy time. So in order to shut, he doesn't want this fake investigation shut down. He only tells Trump about the sexual stuff in the dossier. He leaves the criminal stuff out, Comey. Clapper tells him to do it. What happens? CNN then reports, Joe, mm-hmm. reports not on the dossier because they know that do- or they strongly suspect the dossier is garbage and CNN doesn't want to be put in like the, the fake news file, at least not right away. So what do they do? They need a predicate. They need it. They need an actual pretext. So mm-hmm. CNN gets wind from Clapper. According to multiple reports from Clapper, hey, hey, uh, the president was briefed on the dossier. I got an idea. Let's run a story about the president being briefed on the dossier. Folks, please tell me you're following this. Don't miss. This is really important. CNN can't report on the dossier because it's crap and it's unverified. But they can report on a factual episode, which is the president being briefed on the dossier, even though he's not told about the criminal stuff. So he can't shut it down. Clapper leaks it to CNN, according to reports, multiple reports. CNN goes, oh, the president's briefed on the dossier. What's the next public response, Joe? What's in the dossier? Well, yeah. next thing you know, we see it from BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed puts out the dossier about all these ridiculous, debunked, crap, garbage charges against Donald Trump. Now, in the exact same time period, the circle right back to the beginning, Peter Stroke texts Lisa Page, who knows this thing could be, quote, literally nothing, and says, oh, wow, let me know when you can talk. We're discussing whether now that this, which is obviously the dossier, is out, we will use it as a pretext to go interview some people. Holy crikeys, do you understand what's going on right now? The FBI has nothing. The dossier is garbage. It's junk. They can't verify it. So in order to get, they need an excuse to go interview people. I just asked Joe, what's your excuse in the FBI in the real world to interview people? Evidence. They don't have evidence. They have nothing. They have spurious allegations in this dossier, Joseph. They need an excuse. What do they do? Jim Clapper leaks it to CNN. Allegedly leaks it to CNN, but there's strong evidence has happened. Jim Clapper admitted up on the hill, excuse me, that he had had contacts with CNN about this incident. CNN puts the report out, the report that Stroke and Bill Prystep are watching in that office about the dossier is then used as a pretext to go and interview people because they don't have evidence. Folks, this is just the level of corruption here is so horrifying, but I want to I want to leave you on at least on this story with some good news. Devin Nunes, who, you know, the Maria Bartiromo show on the weekends, becoming a must-watch. Nunes always gives away some the cookies on this. I want to play a cut from him. Just one second on this. I want to play a cut from Nunes about some possible good news here. This was an explosive interview. And Jeff Carlson uh, has a great piece up I have in the show notes today, which goes through this line by line and how important this interview is. There's a number of explosive revelations in this. I'm going to get to the most important one. Uh, hold on one second. Today's show also brought to you by our buddies at Brickhouse Nutrition. Brickhouse Nutrition, the best nutrition product on the market I believe right now is Field of Greens matter of fact funny story for you my mother-in-law who was over this week and I love to death right she's like in her in a you know in her accent she's like oh she calls me Donnie she says, you look so great on TV. You look so young. And I, I'm not, listen, it's not a joke. I said to her, I attribute it to two things. The field of greens that I take from Brickhouse Nutrition, which is this beautiful combination of a vegetable, of basically vegetables ground up into a fine tasting powder. And collagen, I love it. That's my that's my elixir. That's my youth elixir. Hey, listen, I'm a guy. I don't, you know, I like to look a little salty, but I don't want to look like a rotting uh, a piece of beef jerky either. This, and she said to me, she goes, "You look so young on TV." I'm telling you, it's my Field of Greens and my collagen mix. The Field of Greens is the best product out there. It is a fruit and vegetable powder. It's real food, though. This is not. Uh, extract. It's not junk. Basically, they grind up fresh vegetables with all of those healthy, beneficial micronutrients, macronutrients, and all of those wonderful God-given attributes in fruits and vegetables. And they put it in a great tasting powder. You throw it in juice, you throw it in water. I put it in green tea sometimes. Like I said, sometimes I throw in a little bit of collagen. 
you know, collagen is like Jello. You can get je- it's basically unflavored Jello, and it's the key. It is my that's my secret. It is wonderful. You will never feel better. I enjoy it. It's one of my favorite products. Go give it a shot. BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Pick up Field of Greens today. Remember, you ensure everything in your lives that matters, right? Ensure your health. You're supposed to eat fruits and vegetables. You know that. Sometimes you can't. Take a scoop of Field of Greens twice a day. You knock that out right away. BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Go check it out. You won't regret it. All right, Joe, cue up that Nunes. So Nunes appears on Maria Bartiromo. Let's get right to it. He says this. Mr. Chairman, let me ask you to comment on what we learned this week. Some of these texts that were revealed from Peter Strzok to his girlfriend, Lisa Page, uh, about a media leak strategy. So here's one where Peter Strzok says to uh, her, I had literally just gone to find this phone to tell you, I want to talk to you about media leak strategy with DOJ before you go. 12 days later, he says, article is out. Well done, Paige. Your, re- your reaction to this. Yeah, well, and what you see is, is the, the mainstream media and even Strzok's attorneys have said, no, 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 he actually wanted to get to the bottom of leaks. He was really worried about fi- getting to the bottom and making sure nobody was leaking. Look, that's not what was happening. What was happening here, and this ought to scare American people, it scares me, to know that the FBI and DOJ would go out and leak fake news stories in many cases, plant them in many cases, and then pick up those fake news stories to use it as a pretext, and that's the word that they use in their text, in one of their text messages, a pretext to go out and interview American citizens. Knock on their door and say, look, we read these three news stories that we're not gonna tell you we actually planted with the news, and we wanna talk to you about these news stories. So that's first. Second, don't forget, that the, pay, the Carter Page FISA, it wasn't just that they used the Clinton dirt to, as a basis to go out and get the FISA. They also used planted news stories to corroborate the, the dossier in front of the court. So they went to the court and said, look, look at these news stories, uh, judge. They actually match this dossier, never telling the court that actually, no, those were planted news stories by the Clinton campaign uh, and the FBI. So these these people are really dirty. Uh, I hope that uh, we continue to get all this information out before the election so that people know uh, just how sick this Russia Kool-Aid that's been poured upon the American people, how bad it's really been. (laughs) Oh, boy, was that a doozy. Now, that goes on. There's more in there. Carlson covers this piece, but I'm going to hit a few of the highlights. Uh, folks, one quick thing. I don't mean to be distracted, but I get a lot of emails. People, I, I, I totally understand. I love your feedback. People are like, hey, man, Dan, with the sound effects. Listen, I'm just a human being. Joe does everything he can to cut out oh. the sound effects. I'm sorry. I'm just, I breathe, okay? I'm sorry. Joe does his best, okay? <laughs> I, I, my, my deep apologies, but I do my best. I just, because I just, uh, you know, I made some kind of oh, you're, sound. You're running at a high pace, too. I, I mean, know, and I'm just yeah. an excitable guy. Okay, so, so a couple of things. Number one, he mentions the pretext. How the whole interview process papadopoulos interview and page all of this stuff was based on media reports that the fbi gave the media the fbi goes hey media here's these stories the fbi (laughs) then sees these stories right and says hey listen look at these stories about this where did you get the stories they got them from the fbi so the fbi is leaking stories to the media they're then using as evidence that their story that they leaked to the media is true do you understand that dear media here's a story person a did this okay great person a did that how do you know person a did that because we saw it in the media yeah but you (laughs) gave them the story (laughs) shut up don't tell people that so we bring this is huge the pretext secondly he says hey that's not it that's not it Uh if you need to listen to it again listen to it again he brings up the second point he goes it's not just that it's that the same media reports they leaked to the media to start the investigation that was used to establish a FISA. So they do these interviews and they get all this stuff together, this investigation to get a FISA warrant in court. The investigation is, and the pretext for the interviews are press reports they leaked. They also use the press reports as corroborating information in the actual court documents in a FISA. We're supposed to take this thing seriously. Now do you see why Nunes is like, dude, dude, seriously. (laughs) Dude, 
This is a Kool-Aid drinking episode. He used those words. You are a Kool-Aid drink. If you believe this is real, you are getting worked so bad. But there's one other quote. Now, Jeff Carlson covers it in a piece. It was a long segment, and I like to keep my show compact for your commute to work. That's why we try to keep it an hour or a little over. There's another part of the interview where Nunes says something incredible. That there are up to 70 witnesses that were called to testify in front of House and Senate committees. And he is going to ask DNI Coates, Director of National Intelligence Coates, to declassify that information. Folks, this was not small potatoes. 70 people? I, I have to be candid with you. I had no idea that there were that many people who had information. I know I knew it was a large circle. I did not, I did not understand the depth of it as being that wide. Uh, excuse me, that deep um, and that wide. Seventy people, folks. How how widespread was this thing? Now Nunes is pushing to have those testimonies declassified. Oh boy, let's see what's in that stuff. Because I had always assumed, like many people, that this was relegated to the upper upper echelons of the FBI and DOJ. But how far down the chain did this go? 70 people. Wow. It was an incredible interview. Okay. Um, one final note, because I'm, I really hate being misled by media people, and it happens so often, it's disturbing. Uh, you're seeing these stories now. Granted, it's a real turn it into a, a, a real human disaster down uh, or up well up from me in North Carolina. Um, it's just devastating. My father lives up there in Cary, and it's been bad. I mean, the water is, you know, in a hurricane, it's usually not the wind, as most people tell you in the right. I mean, the wind does damage too. Don't get me wrong, but the water is usually what turns mm. into the more significant damaging uh, uh, component of the storm. But folks, there's always an effort by the media to paint a narrative. Now, you know what I, I talked about last week, what they did with Hurricane Maria and what they're looking to do with that. But they're using the weather now as a weapon, too, because that's what the media and the Democrats do. And they're one and the same. One of the narratives they're trying to paint here, Joe, is that climate change is causing an exploding uh, uh, cost accumulation on the on the uh, on the storms. In other words, costs are going up because of climate change. Yeah, folks. There's almost no evidence at all that that's true. Ladies and gentlemen, this is really simple. We are becoming a wealthier population. The population is expanding in the United States. Granted, not as a rapid at a rapid rate it was in decades past and not at, a, at the rapid rate it is in other countries around the world. But the U.S. population is not only expanding, but it's wealthier. When the population expands and it's wealthier, they, you know, they will move technic, uh, uh, they will move I'm trying to say this right because I don't want to I want to make sure you have the ammunition for your friends. They're moving more towards the coast. They're buying up property uh, that are on beaches that are in uh, some of it is in uh, mountainous and heavily wooded areas where forest fires are a problem. We're expanding into places that a less prosperous society wouldn't. Uh, people won't generally move to the coasts in a less prosperous society because the housing can be expensive. It can be expensive to construct. It has to be built on stilts. Um, and the property, due to the sight lines, is, it can be more expensive than property inland usually is. Same with these you know, mountain vistas that are surrounded by trees in the forest. It can be expensive to build out there. It's tougher to get there. The costs are more. As we're wealthier, we expand and expand more. I'm not suggesting that that's good or bad or indifferent. I'm telling you what is. When you build on more coastline and you build in heavily forested areas prone to forest fires, what's going to happen? It's not that climate change is making the storms more intense. It's that the same storms are causing more damage because there's people and property where there wasn't in the past. This isn't hard to figure out, folks. Let me give you some numbers. Coastal Florida, where I live. The population since 1970 on coastal Florida has increased 175%. There's more people there. The same thing in Texas. We've seen the same thing in other coastal cities as well. The population is up in North Carolina. It's up dramatically. People and property are moving towards places where it's more dangerous to build based on uh, environmental conditions. It has nothing to do with climate change. Stop believing that. Now, if they can produce evidence, I'm open to it. I I, I have nothing wrong. I do facts here, okay? 
I'm just telling you, until they can account exclusively for the buildup of people, more expensive property in a wealthier society, in places where the traditionally have been more dangerous in the past, then attribute it to bad moving decisions. Fine. Say, hey, people shouldn't be living there. Fine. That's okay. I want to move to the beachfront. I don't expect you to pay for my property. I know it's dangerous. Right. I want to move uh, to a, a different, I'm, I'm staying in Florida, don't worry, but I'm, my neighborhood, they have a property on the water. I want to move to Joe Knows. Mm. It's expensive. I'm not asking you to pay for it. I mm. understand the costs. And you have a right to say, Dan, that's a dumb decision. I don't want to pay your flood insurance. Bingo. You're darn right, and you shouldn't have to. Right. But that's, a, that you and say that's a dumb call. That's a perfectly legitimate thing to say. And if I get flooded out, it may have been a dumb call. But that's not a climate change argument. That's a Dan Bongino argument. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> All right, folks. Hey, listen, I appreciate it. Last week was a great week of listens, even despite yeah. the new algorithm change. We're still going up. Thank you very much. Thank Please you. subscribe to my show. Check out my show notes today, too. I'm going to include an article by Matt Palumbo that's very thorough on the immigration debate and do illegal immigrants uh, commit crimes at a higher rate than the native-born population, which has turned into an explosive argument since my NRA TV interview uh, with Alex from Cato. So uh, check that out. I got really good stuff there. And please subscribe to the show. It's free on iTunes, SoundCloud. Uh, it helps us move up the, the charts on iHeartRadio, all of them. We really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, folks. I'll see you all soon. Take care. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.